What's up everyone, Mega Man here. Before we start the episode 122 with my guest Ray Diaz, um, I want to give my condolences uh, to Kobe Bryant's wife, uh, his daughters, and the family, and the Lakers organization. Uh, there was a tragic uh, death on Sunday um, with Kobe Bryant and his daughter that passed away. And I think there was like uh, about, I think it was uh, six or seven more passengers and and condolences to all the family who were in that helicopter that uh, went down um, in Calabasas in, in the hills. Um, very, very sad day um, yesterday. Um, I was doing a podcast with uh, Aurelio from The Owner and Head Brewer at Feather Serpent. And we were done. It, the episode came out really good. And 10 minutes later, one of his employees said, yeah, did you hear what happened? This is what uh, Kobe Bryant died. And I was like, yeah, right. And I had to look for myself on social media. And uh, yeah, he died. And it was sad. I was, re- it just, it killed me. It really, I think it killed a lot of people. It just drained. Um, it was just... We're shocked. We're, it was really shocking. And then to find out uh, his daughter was in that helicopter too, it just, it made it worse. And um, it was just, it was nothing but love, man. Nothing but love. He's always been, he always had that hunger and that determination and will to never give up and and outprove the people wrong and and being one of the probably one of the most greatest players who ever played the game in the NBA and he was he 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 redeemed the team you know went to the Olympics and and they beat Spain you know he got a gold medal as the redeemed team you know and uh he did a lot man uh straight out of high school getting drafted by the Hornets then he got traded to the Lakers and uh, I'll make this a little bit short but I'm gonna talk about two stories I remember when Kobe was young and they went to the playoffs and they were playing the Utah Jazz. And um, it was crunch time. That's what they had Shaquille. They had, they had a good core. They were just, they were really, really coming together. And um, I think on, I think it was the third or the fourth quarter, um, you know, they gave the ball a lot to Kobe and he was shooting it. And I noticed, I was like, man, he shot like three or five air balls. I was like, what the heck's going on? Uh, the fans, everyone, were all in our seat. We're like, what the heck's going on? It got crazy. And I guess in a way, a lot of the players didn't want to deal with pressure. So they just threw all the pressure uh, to Kobe. And he tried to do whatever he can. But that's the young instinct of the immature uh, immaturity of developing, you know, the NBA and stuff. When it's crunch time, it was like, it was a lot of pressure. And uh, I think from there, when the Lakers lost to the Utah Jazz... The thing I remember after that game was over, uh, Antoine Carr, uh, he, he played for the Utah Jazz. He went up to Kobe. He put his arm around him, gave him advice. Said, hey, man, it's, it's okay. You're going to get better and all that stuff. And I think that's where Kobe Bryant was born. You know, the will to never give up, be shooting a thousand jump shots here, whatever. He's like, man, this is not going to happen to me again. And you can see 
the hunger just coming out of Kobe. Like, it was like something something special was going to come out of that kid. And, uh, you know, he got way back better and better. And uh, I might when I used to live up north, uh, I can tell the Lakers were going to be like this. They're going to win a couple championships with this guy. And what made me fall in love with Kobe more is that when I used to live up north of Modesto, um, either you're a Golden State Warriors fan or you're Sacramento Kings. Sacramento Kings, I was a big fan because they had uh, Coach Rick Adelman, Chris Reber, Mike Bibby. Uh, they had Jason Williams, Lottie Divop, Staryakovich. They had a killer bench with Bobby Jackson, uh, Lawrence Thunderbird. Uh, we have Chorus Williamson. They have uh, Scott Pollard. I mean, they had a deep fucking bench. And I thought, like, man, the Kings are going to make it to the finals. We're going to win a championship. The The Western Conference was fucking hot. I think it was game six or seven. Um, I remember it was at home at Sacramento. Uh, Lakers are playing. Whoever wins this goes, to, I think, to the finals. Or or I think it was to the to the finals or the Western Conference Championship. It was a while back. And um, Mike Baby put on a show. He was just killing it, killing it, killing it. And Kobe Bryant, little by little was 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 you know clutch time man clutch time clutch time and uh man it was a really good game and seeing the growth of Kobe from high schooler until now the development he just blossomed I was like this is probably one of the greatest players who ever played the game and I'm glad that I got to see him and and see him play when when they beat the Sacramento Kings to go to the finals and win a championship I was like wow my applaud goes out to Kobe, man. The best. The best. Everyone's going to think, who's the best? Was it Jordan? Was it Kobe? Was it LeBron? I mean, I can't really say. I mean, everyone has a different type of era in the 80s, the 90s, and the 2000s or whatsoever. But I feel like Jordan will always be one of the greatest with six championships, you know, uh, two gold medals. You know, uh, NCAA championship uh, from North Carolina. I mean, just everything. You know, LeBron has three, you know, gold medal, USA, all that stuff. But, man, man, there's one thing about I noticed with Kobe. Kobe didn't have an all-star team. He only had Shaquille. But when Shaquille left to the Miami, they had a team that, you know, where you see everyone needs to needs to make a super team, you know, like three or four good players and stuff. Kobe was like, I can do it without Shaquille. I can do it. And he did. He won three championships with Shaquille. Then he won another two without him. He had his core team, you know, and uh, it was something where, you know, he beat the he beat the Celtics, you know. They, I remember they had Ray Allen. They had Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce, man. Game seven, man, and Lakers, man. It's the best, man. Lakers, they were the best, and they will still always be the best. And uh, and Kobe Bryant, and to your daughter, man, uh, rest in peace up there in heaven, man. We love you. You gave so much for us to remember you, and and I can tell you're you're training your your little one to be a good basketball player, man. Who knows? But um. Thank you for all the memories, and uh, like I said, to you, to your daughter, may you rest in peace, to your wife, the kids, and the family, 
Uh, my condolences go out to 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 them also uh, from Steve Martinez from the Mega Man's podcast. All right, big up. All right, guys, uh, let's get back to the episode. Hope you enjoyed it. I'm gonna dedicate this episode uh, to my boy Ray Diaz, but also to Kobe Bryant, his daughter, and to the family. Now let's get to it. Welcome to the Mega Man's Podcast with your host, Steven Martinez, a.k.a. Mega Man. This will be episode 122. Right now, I'm in the city of Marina Del Rey. Came all the way. Hashtag Team No Sleep. Um, I've been following this guy for a while. He, he started listening to me when I was on the George Perez stories on episode 50 as a best fan guest. Uh, he's, a BG, he's a BJJ Purple Belt at 10th Planet in West L.A., a Dutch kickboxer and a trainer and he's one of my good friends I follow him and we had to make this man I want to start off 2020 freaking good uh, my guest for today I have is uh, Ray Diaz man what's up man thank you for having me Mega Man uh, you gotta love social media I've been following you for a long time too as a big podcast fan myself it's an honor to meet you my friend mm-hmm. hell yeah man I mean yeah I mean it was an honor man like having you I mean, I came all the way. I was like, man, I was supposed to have you on last year. The timing, the word, but the timing, man. You got it. It's a grind too. Like, I know you got a hustle going on too, right now too, just because of like work, uh, school, and then even recently like teaching. Because I've stepped back just a little bit from training. We could get into that and everything too. Uh-huh. But it's just been a constant grind. And I know listening to you, you're constantly just grinding too. You're grinding, constantly man. hustling, man. It's just I'm, one of those things. I love it, man. It's it, it's hard. It's a grind. But yeah. you know what? It's like like we were talking about it's all about reps 100 percent, man you got to get your reps in man yeah, yeah i mean when people say to me all oh, podcast is easy it's not easy oh no man anybody who says that it's like one they've never tried it themselves or anything uh-huh or two they just have like this idea that they think it's easier than what it actually is in my opinion yeah mm-hmm. i mean doing mm-hmm. people's small podcasts uh medium podcasts a podcast that's live or mm-hmm. you know out of the normal yeah, yeah even when you have guests you have different personalities you got to be on your a game you know 100 percent every single time and, yeah yeah mm-hmm. and that's why when i started doing the podcast uh i went through all my hardships in the beginning but right. now with the experience like okay this is easy i already know yeah, what to do man, already for sure yeah i'm glad we're finally able to link up man yeah I appreciate man. it yeah now i'm full with those korean tacos dude. yeah <laughs> yeah we went down to the yard house right now we each had a beer each i know Mega Man likes his beer he's a big connoisseur uh-huh. i'm trying to get back into it myself my brother's actually the big uh, beer guy i don't know if you follow him on instagram actually Mm-mm. i gotta link you guys up he has got a page called uh, oc beer geek Beer yeah, he's actually like really knowledgeable about beers, brews his own and everything too. So oh, he's a home brewer? Yeah, he's a home brewer oh, and everything home, too, man. yeah. Home brewer beers, I mean, they're delicious. It's man. always like, I'll send him like a photo of like a beer that's like a rare find for me and I'll be like, yeah, dude, how's this beer look? And he's like, <laughs> oh, dude, I had that years ago and I'm like, Man, what? I gotta catch up. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah, I gotta link you guys up too. Oh, yeah. Let me know. Uh-huh. We'll we'll link up. I'll try some of the beers. Like, hey, can you give me some? And stuff? For sure. Yeah. Because the uh, thing where if you're a home brewer, you can't sell your beers. You have to give that's, it to your yeah, friend. That's what I'm just learning about that. Yeah. Because yeah. I've always wanted to try to do it myself, but again, I don't know enough about it. Like it's it's hard. I tried doing uh-huh. it, and it's like it's it's a. 
you're gonna spend thousands of dollars. Of oh no shit! Wow. I mean, try to make your own beers yeah, and this. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, you're gonna go. You're gonna go down another rabbit hole. I got you. <laughs> I was like, that's. I'll just stick with podcasts. Right. <laughs> I'll buy beers. You make the beers. I'll right, drink them. Right. Too many at one time. Yeah. yeah you gotta man. put all your effort into one basket at one time. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. So everything's. How's everything going? Like you just got off work, just busy. Everything's outside. going good. Uh, I'm back finally to full time right now. Yeah. Uh, back over at Equinox. I work in the marina. I've been at this club in the marina in Marina del Rey for seven years now. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm recently coming back from an arm break. Yeah, I saw that picture, uh, man. Yeah. Ugh, so, how long was that? Because you had a fight. Mm-hmm. I was following you. I was like, saw the pictures and the surgery. And the, you have a plate inside now. So I got a steel plate, six screws on my radius on my left arm. So you got two bones in your uh, arm. You got your ulna and your radius. Uh-huh. And they both help with what they call pronation and supination at the elbow and at the wrist. Yeah. And what those do is they actually stabilize your arm. Say when you're doing like flexion extension of the wrist for like push-ups, presses, whether you're pulling. It's a very... It's the bigger one where you, if you hold your thumb out and put your thumb up, if you go like rad, think of like radius bone right there. Uh-huh. So that's that bigger one on top. So unfortunately, oh. with all the shit I've been through in my life, I wish I had a cooler story about it. It was like, just from hey. a fall. <laughs> you can say so, Grace and Gracie broke my arm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> something. something like a cool arm bar or like some transition, but it was literally like I was sparring with this one younger shithead at our gym. He was a younger guy, a little inexperienced. And we got a little wild, he got a little heated, and it was just one of those days I didn't want to, you know, kind of play easy. So our kind of sparring match turned into a fist fight. What? Yeah. And oh, it, it just... Was, so when you guys at... This is at 10th Matter, right? Oh, this is actually at my other gym, Dynamics, yeah. Oh, okay. And it's, it's nobody's fault, and at the time, like, I was really upset with the guy. I was thinking even going back to like old school mentality, like, hey, I'm gonna fucking hit this fool up in the parking lot. Yeah, exactly, I'm gonna hit this fool up in the parking lot. I'm gonna find him on the street. Yeah, it got pretty bad at a certain point, but you know, you just kind of put yourself on check and you know, talking to other people and talking to friends and stuff. It's just like, at the end of the day, it was a weird blessing in disguise. And it's gonna sound weird saying this, but breaking my arm was the best thing that happened to me because through that experience, I was able to step back a little bit from like the competition side, because my goal was always to get back to MMA. Yeah. Uh, in the state of California, I officially don't have a record. I've fought before uh, outside of California. I've had a couple smokers and everything too, what uh-huh. they call like, basically like, think of it like a smoker as far as like in the old boxing times. You Is would it have like amateurs like, or something? Yeah, it's like pre-amateur oh, yeah. base. It's basically an amateur bout, uh-huh. but it's not sanctioned through any commission. So it could just be like, a coach saying like hey steven is you know 180 pounds and it's like looking at you i'm like are you really 180 pounds and like they'll basically pepper your records too so say your record is actually like 10 and 0 they'll say like oh he's got no fights and what will happen sometimes is my first amateur fight was against a guy who was a pro multi fighter but had never done mma before and they were like basically in a big room like in a lobby and they were like hey if you want to do mma today raise your hand my coach was like, yeah, you're good for it. Go ahead. So I raised my hand, and I was like, oh, I'll do MMA. And this pro Muay Thai guy sized me up and down. He's like, oh, I'll do MMA today then, too. So they're asking him, how many MMA fights do you have? And he says, zero. And they asked me how many I had. I said, zero. So they ended up pairing us up. He was about 170 at the time. I was like 155, so it was kind of close enough. So we end up boxing in the beginning. We're in the stand-up part of it. And I only knew how to wrestle. I knew how to grapple at the time. So I'm trying to shoot double legs, trying to take this guy down. And this yeah. guy catches me with an elbow. And I've never been elbowed before. And I get <laughs> dropped in the first round. I have this cut over my head. Oh. And I'm like, oh, shit. So this is actually fighting. Not like what I thought of, like, you know, trying to grab somebody, take him down, do this and that. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, we're actually in a scrap now. We're in an actual, like, fist fight from here. 
and the guy got so tired and I'm not even exaggerating this from beating me up for the first three rounds that in the third round he gassed so bad on top of me I was able to set up just this shitty triangle and ended up finishing him in the first fight what? but that was a little rant right there but and going back to uh, breaking my arm same thing it was just in training man like you it's hard to control the chaos of like you know somebody's trying to take your head off or this and that but when you get more experience you kind of slow things down like i've sparred with like ufc guys bellator guys and stuff and those are the guys i learned against the most because they do everything so controlled there's still so much speed behind it but there's no intention to do like damage they're still trying to touch you but it's not like they're trying to knock you out or anything an inexperienced person with like kind of fear still going into it they're going to start swinging for the fences because they don't have any control mm -hmm. and unfortunately that's what happened that day um, sometime in the transition, I broke my arm. I didn't realize I had broken it. I had taken the, my partner down, I got mount, and I just started teeing off on him. When the bell rang, my buddy who was coaching at the time came over and pulled me off of him. And I was ready, to, right, like right then and then, to take this to the parking lot and like, just beat the shit out of this guy. Yeah. And we took our gear off and he said he was done. So I was like, okay, I'm done. And then I finally looked down at my arm and my arm was bent backwards. And I was punching him with that arm and I didn't realize it. So I went down on the mat, and because I'm an idiot sometimes, I tried to do a push-up, and I was like, no, nah, that thing's definitely broken. So my coach, Anthony, came out, Anthony Hardonk, over at Dynamics MMA. Anthony Hardonk, okay. Yep, mm -hmm. he okay. ends up coming out, and he asked me what happened, and I told him I got heated. I totally took ownership for it, because I'm the more experienced guy at the gym uh, with my partner and everything. So I told him I was just going to go home, take a shower, and he was like, you're going to go take a shower? Like, do you want me to drive you to the hospital right now? And I was like... Nah, man, like, I've been to the hospital before, like, I'm gonna go home, I'm dirty after practice, like, I'm gonna go get comfortable, so I, I drove my, and this is gonna sound crazy, I drove myself home, I took a shower, then my girlfriend drove me to the hospital, we got an x-ray at the hospital, and even getting the x-ray and everything, the doctors were like, oh, your arm may not be broken, it might just be muscular, it might be this and that, and I'm like, yo, man, I'm not, like, a doctor or anything, but, like, this feels like this fucking arm is broken, man, like, I can look at it, because I didn't have uh, movement in my thumb or my fingers, they were a little worried because of nerve damage. Oh, shit. So when they did the x-ray, everybody I showed the picture to, they said it was a clean break. But what happened is, is it started pushing into the nerves in my hand, the bone where it broke. So they referred me to a specialist over at UCLA. I went to go see that specialist and the specialist comes in seeing the x-ray. And this is where I hate doctors in a sense, where he was saying, oh my God, man, you're gonna lose function of your hand. And I was like, well, fucking nice to meet you too, man. Like, holy shit. Is that, is that, don't you hate that with doctors? Like, yeah, they like, fucking scare you. Like, it's oh, like when just you, fucking chop it off, dude. It's like when you go on, like, WebMD or something. It's like, oh, I have a cough. And then you look up on WebMD and it's like, well, you have AIDS. And it's like, <laughs> fuck, man. Like, can we not jump to, like, the worst case scenario, like, right off the bat? So I end up uh, going home from there. I call another specialist because anytime, and this is what I'll recommend, if you get a referral from a doctor and you get an opinion, yeah, if it's something that's going to require you can go, to another one. go get another opinion. Yeah, you can do that. This is where I got a little worried. I go get the second opinion. They tell me the same thing. I'm like, oh, shit, I'm going to lose function in my hand. I'm a personal trainer. I you know, compete martial arts and everything. And I was like, that's not an option. Luckily, though, because I'd been doing so well at Equinox at the time, I had uh, finally health insurance. It's the first time I had health insurance. Yeah. I had tried to go through the VA before when I had torn something in my knee. And when I torn something in my knee, I had called the VA in February. Yeah. And I called them up for an appointment, and they're like, oh, wow, that sounds serious. Uh, we can get you in in May. And I was like, no, like, my knee hurts now. And they're like, okay, what about June? 
And I was like, do you not know how time works? Like, that's further than May. So I ended up waiting till May, and they checked my knee out and everything. And it was just very just, like, get in, get out kind of thing. And, you know, I know the VA has their struggles and everything, like me being a veteran and stuff, too. But it's one of those things, like... It just, it is what it is, right? So I ended up finally going to Curlin Job, which is an affiliate with Cedar sinai Curlin Job is the people who did like, you know, Kobe Bryant surgery, Drew Brees, really highly specialist people. So when I go to do even just my orientation for them just to kind of get the counsel on like my arm break and everything, Uh the doctor comes in laughing. He's like, wait, what did these people tell you was going to happen to your hand? You were going to lose function of it? And he's laughing, and he's like, no, what we're going to do is we're going to open that thing up, we're going to cut right down the middle of your tattoo. I got a tattoo of a wolf on my arm, and now I got a gnarly scar right down the middle. <laughs> and uh, we're going to open that thing up, we're going to put plate and screws in there. That's going to be your little souvenir. You get to keep that for the rest of your life. Maybe set off some metal detectors, and cool story to tell. You're going to be back in six weeks. And I was like, okay, what about like rehab and stuff? And they're like, well, what do you do for a living? I'm like, oh, I'm a personal trainer. So now, not only did I get successful with the surgery, but now I know how to maintain and manage uh, bone breaks as well too because I did my own rehab and everything and now I have full function of my arm again. That's good, man. Yeah, man. Mm-hmm. You're you're a function, you got everything, man. I was like, man, it's a story. You know what I was thinking of when, yeah, you, yeah. when you were sparring with that guy you hated? Mm-hmm. I, 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 I was thinking about that movie Double Impact oh, where that guy yeah. was picking uh-huh. on that guy. Who is it? It's a new guy. Yeah, he's yeah. Fucking, he's like, you want to see one of my kicks? He's like, yeah, let me show you a kick. Bam, dude. Right. He's fucking, I just want to see like one of those. For man. sure, for sure. Like, like, it's always a fucking bully thing. He's a fucking oh, bad Oh, man, yeah. And it's too, like, he's just, he was a younger guy. He's like, just like a college student and stuff too. And we had sparred before and you know I had like he had gone a little hard before but I ended up you know like slamming him on the mat or like choking him out or different things like that because I always like to humble like that bully and stuff too uh-huh. because I was bullied a lot growing up I grew up half white half Mexican so I always had to learn how to get Miklo fucking Miklo man it's just one of those things I had to always just learn how to defend myself and kind of just stand my ground just because at a certain point I just don't like taking shit from people uh, who yeah. does it man mm-hmm. yeah. I hate it man and you have to man it's either you have to stand your ground or you're just always going to be the victim yeah, yeah. I always so. feel like with people who are bullies and they must have got picked on and stuff like that. Anybody and you never them? know, man. So, like, I have sympathy for them, too, because it's like, who knows what their home life is? Who knows what their struggle is? Being in L.A., driving around where people have, like, road rage and stuff, it's like, man, why is this guy already at, like, a level 10 when I'm just, like, at a level 1? You heard that, just uh, like, you heard that episode with uh, George St. Pierre that yeah. he was getting bullied and he, he confronted the person, mm-hmm. but he was getting bullied by his father. Yeah, the, and the, it's the, a the, common the, tale, man. Yeah, it's it was sad. Like, man, it was mm-hmm. sad, you mm-hmm. know, like... You don't have to be like that. People grow up. It's yeah. like, you know, like the people who get bullied a lot, like, oh, shit, that's him now. Mm-hmm. Like the one I heard with uh, Justin Wren. Yeah. That, uh-huh. shit, they, that shit broke my heart, man. That had me like, in, like tears and stuff, man. That yeah. That is sad, man. Mm-hmm. It's like he depressed, suicidal. It's like picked on at school. You're talking like an 11 year old kid, too. And it's just like we grew up in a oh, different era. That. Yeah, like I we're, saw that video, man. Mm-hmm. They just videotaped it. No one helped him out. I, when, when, like when me and you grew up it's just one of those things like at least when you left school or something it was like yeah. you left it there yeah. now it's like man that shit follows you because of like video. Instagram video Facebook like all this and stuff like you, you see, can't escape it that's now that's why you see the suicide mm-hmm. rate goes up because of the you know like fuck they just can't take it you know it's like man. and that's why Joe Rogan always says like hey do you know if you're gonna be bullied do uh, martial arts you know calms mm-hmm. you down makes you more think more different and stuff like that and know? that was the crazy thing is like especially with jujitsu because you spar so much and you're always getting after you're it more calm you're more calm because you're Why getting humble you're getting humbled all the time like with the, any other sport like boxing taekwondo 
you know, insert any other striking martial art, the difference with like wrestling and jujitsu, especially even wrestling, you talk to a lot of wrestlers and stuff, yeah. they're the most successful people I've ever met. Like uh -huh. if they wrestled like, you know, college, high school, they're like lawyers, they're doctors, they're owners of companies because they went through so much hardship just trying to make weight, you know, skipping parties and stuff in school and everything when I was that kid, like smoking meth, doing drugs, selling drugs. They were literally on the mat, they were grinding, they were going to class to make grades and stuff. Now they're successful people in real life yeah. because they went through all the hardships. All their hardships was going out and competing and you know going against other kids trying to rip your head off. And it's the same thing with jiu-jitsu now too, where if you're always on the mat and you're always grinding, you're always hustling, you can't yeah. be mad about anything else. You've got no time. I, yeah. I think because you're so like doing all that, you're like mm -hmm. so drained, like dude, I just wanna chill out. You just wanna chill out, man. I'll be in traffic sometimes, somebody will cut me off. Or the weird thing is like, if somebody's crossing the street or trying to make a turn, I'll let people come by and like, you know, sneak in and everything. And people <laughs> will look at me like, why is this guy being nice? And it's like, because man, we should all be nice. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, it's a sad thing to live in LA and like, nice is not the norm. It gets yeah. crazy over here it's in crazy, Culver man. City, man. Like, the <laughs> it's traffic, crazy, bro. like, I'm good. Yeah. I wonder if many people like cut you off, like, get out of the way. Yeah, like, yeah. I'm good, you know, because mm -hmm. you never know. That there's always gonna be that person come out with a gun, like the badass, yep. mm -hmm. or whatever, those road rage and all that scene. It's like, unfortunate, everybody's tough with a gun, man. Yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. that's crazy. Um, so, I heard you, um, you did a podcast with uh, Uncle Creepy. I did, yes. That was a while uh -huh. back. It was a while back. I think I looked at my memories for that uh, on one of my like old Facebook posts. Uh, I think it might have been like four years ago now. Yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. When he first started, when uh, he was on Rogan's podcast, and he used to do a lot of the fight companions. And yeah, my I favorite that. episodes are always the fight companions. Yeah. Those are always like, you know, three, four hours plus. And I'm like a marathon man. When it comes to podcasts, the longer the better. And when he, they were talking about doing this story time with Uncle Creepy, yeah. he, like there's this I meme of him where he, it's like he's got like the old school timely mustache and yeah. he gets excited about starting this podcast. So he started with uh, TJ DeSantis, who does uh, commentary for EBI. He's got that classic kind of like very proper radio voice and he sounds very, you know. Oh, EBI? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. You'll know his voice right away when you hear it. But mm -hmm. I started listening right off the bat and he's good friends with my coach, Scott Epstein, who's uh, Einstein over at 10th Planet West LA, uh -huh. my black belt my coach and everything my brother I love that dude but uh, he linked us up but just because he said I had a cool story and he's the one who made me start taking notes and get ready for the podcast just being a big fan and everything like how you brought your notes today yeah. I did the same thing with that like I had literally like a half a book of just notes that I had written out just for my story I started like from literally kindergarten earliest memories all the way up until the time like we're gonna know, get to all that yeah stuff. a week before and it was just like it was an honor just to do his podcast because he was one of my favorite fighters he was the guy that arguably beat you know uh, uh, mighty mouse Mighty Mouse. yeah i remember the inaugural uh, flyweight title i thought I he won that, that fight man that but, was a, that was in australia mm -hmm. wasn't it yep mm -hmm. yeah i remember that and he was like I, and it was a draw it was a draw yeah i was like then that's where he went on his winning streak yep uh-huh i was like what this yeah way. that was you his know? inaugural fight and i thought he won that fight which is crazy yeah because yeah, yeah. you don't see a lot of draws in mma which is crazy and the fact oh, that yeah. that was a draw, I was like, oh, wow, yeah. So it was an and, honor just to do that podcast and, and be and on there. Oh, yeah, mm -hmm. and that's why Dana always says, don't leave it to the judges. No, nah, man, it sucks, dude. But it's especially with the lighter guys, they're just so both so talented. And they don't have, I mean, some of them do have that knockout power, but it's just so much harder because of the speed difference and everything, too. Uh -huh. It's hard to land something flush, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So uh, with the podcast, I mean, I mean, you and I, we listen to like a whole bunch of different types mm -hmm. of podcasts. 
everything, man. I mean, yeah, everything. Yeah. It's uh-huh. like knowledge, you know? There's just so much in the brain of just, there's way too much out there. And it's like, I don't know about you, but I didn't go to college or anything. I always joke around that I went to the school of hard, hard knocks, which was, you know, U.S. Army Infantry. Oh, yeah. But it was one of those things. Now there's just so much knowledge out there. It's like, why wouldn't you want to listen to a bunch of podcasts? Like, I joke around when I'm at work. When I'm walking around, I always have headphones in. And people yeah. are like, oh, what song are you listening to? And it's like, nah, man, I listen to a podcast, bro. Like, when I'm driving, right before bed, when I'm doing the dishes at home, walking yeah. the dogs. It's Everything. podcast time, man. Yeah, I even well. I even sleep. Mm-hmm. I'm listening to podcasts, and it's still going on. Yeah, 100%. And I'm like, you know, I listen to it, you know, and everything. And I was like, what the you know, I just have a whole bunch, and mm-hmm. and you know, like with me, I do overnights, right? And so I have to stay awake. So I mm-hmm. sometimes, in a way, I listen to music, but I listen to nothing but podcasts, podcasts, podcasts. Yeah, dude, hundred percent. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah, I listened to the episode with Joe Rogan with uh, Ed Carone, uh, the guy from the cartels. Oh man, yeah, yeah. Fucking mm-hmm. man, that was a dude it's it's creepy how it's Mexico. a wake-up call too man just to how everything is going even trying to make like uh the cartel like a terrorist organization and stuff yeah. like that like shit's getting pretty serious down there man yeah, and like is. i don't know enough about mexico um i've only been to tj a couple times which i don't really consider like mexico it's kind of still like baja california basically yeah, yeah. but like actually in mexico man shit's getting real over there they don't yeah. fuck around over they don't there. fuck around at all man yeah man that's scary stuff yeah that's why i like listening i always i want to say this yeah, yeah with mma fighters like mm-hmm. what you do i noticed that a lot of mma fighters listen to podcasts and go to comedy shows 100 percent, man why yeah. is that <laughs> i think they go hand in hand i think it's like how like Rock stars always want to be comedians, and comedians always want to be rock stars. Hey, Shop. Yeah, and it's just one of those mm-hmm. things, like, there's this weird fantasy. Like, one of my personal dreams is to do, like, Kill Tony or something, just to go up oh, there really? and just bomb, yeah, and just suck <laughs> at it. Because I know it's something, like, you can't, you, there's no way. It's like walking on the mat for the first time. There's no way you're going to be good. You're going to find somebody that's way better at it. Yeah. So it's one of those things just to go up there and do comedy. There's such an appreciation, especially in this cancel culture that we're in now. I appreciate like people like the Legion of Skanks, like people like who just push that boundary of comedy. Well, they'll see things and they'll steer into the offensive part of it just because everybody's so PC now. Uh-huh. But I think it's just because it's such an extreme sport like MMA that you don't want to do all the fighting, all the combat all the time. You just want to laugh and you want to have fun. And because you're doing things like MMA, you don't really have a filter, so you steer into stuff like comedy, yeah. Yeah. And I think they just go hand in hand. Hand in hand, mm-hmm. like comedy, MMA, mm-hmm. you know, maybe they have a long day of practice, like I, I need to laugh. You just want to laugh, man. You want to disassociate from just, you know, being around just a bunch of sweaty dudes all the time, yeah. No, man, <laughs> this podcast, but yeah, and I, always, I always wonder with that, with podcasts and, and just uh, with MMA, I always wonder with mm-hmm. that and all yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Freaking Eddie Bravo's conspiracy. Exactly, yeah. Oh, I love Eddie too, man. Yeah. Uh, That's actually, I mean, what got me into 10 Planet Jiu Jitsu. Like, if it wouldn't have been for Eddie Bravo and just hearing him on, like, Rogan and stuff, I never would have, I would have went to some gi school or something and just stayed, like, in the, you know, traditional, like, the pajamas and stuff like that. But the whole thing with 10 Planet Jiu Jitsu is it's kind of built more for MMA because you're only rolling in your rash guard and your shorts or your spats and stuff. Yeah. Do you guys get a bad rep because. You do it with Nogi? Not so much anymore, but in the early stages, yes. 100%. I remember the Gracies didn't like yeah, that shit. 100%. Yeah. But, I mean, if you think about it, mm-hmm. like, you think you're going to be in a street fight and wearing a gi on? Like, yeah. it's always going to be no gi. Like, what would you do, you know? Exactly, yeah. And it's like, you can grab, like, a sweater. You can grab clothing and stuff like that. Uh-huh. But it's one of those things that you never... If somebody comes at you, like, with their shirt off and stuff and you don't have your handles, yeah, you can still use jujitsu and stuff, but... 
learning the system as far as like even the godfather of 10 planet jiu-jitsu john jock machado who was born who was born without you know his, his left hand essentially he only has like three fingers three on fingers, there yeah and he's the godfather because he was using overhooks and underhooks more of this wrestling style which yeah. became 10 planet jiu-jitsu and he killed a, mm-hmm. he, he killed a lot of people at yeah a hundred percent he was like, one of the, the first fuck? ones that really just changed the game like that especially for no gi jiu-jitsu which became Shut you know 10 planet yeah how many brothers are mm-hmm. there there's a bunch there. of them, man. They love <laughs> the Brazilians, huh? man. They love that their pullout game is weak, bro. <laughs> <laughs> it's all boys and maybe one girl. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It was uh-huh. a Gracie girl? She's a black belt. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. With Carol, was it Kyra Gracie? Oh, uh, Kira. Yeah, Kira, yeah, yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. She's hot, dude. She's hot too. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. We have a whole bunch of brothers and everything. Like I'm good. Mm-hmm. But it's yeah, just a bunch of uh, the Gracie brothers. I think Helio has some. I could be don't don't quote me on this, but I heard something like maybe 20 kids or something. Yeah, because I remember Eddie was talking about this, that he actually has probably closer to 20 brothers and sisters oh, when he originally shit. thought that he only had like six or seven or like 15 oh, or Healy, something. Oh, being Healy, the one that passed away? Yeah, yeah. Oh, he so has brothers and sisters? So there's a, yeah, oh, yeah, our yeah, kids yeah. actually, yeah. Fuck, mm-hmm. man. I mean, it goes back to like the, back, man, it goes back in days over mm-hmm. in Brazil, how it started with the whole story with the guy came from Japan, mm-hmm. taught the, the brothers. Yeah, Maeda. Maeda, uh-huh. Maeda. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, the story about him, man, he was just killing people left and right. Mm-hmm. And that's whole, the whole thing, you know. And ever since uh, here in the Gracies, you know, when they used to go to Pride, mm-hmm. Pride FC. It's like, how can you take that little, that big man mentality of like the samurai having like the armor on and stuff too? And it was much more kind of judo inspired, that kind of tatami style. Yeah. And then what they did is they morphed that for the guys to be on the bottom, the smaller guy to use more leverage and use more joint locks and more manipulation for sweeps to come on top from the bottom. Yeah. And it's like Helio did that really well. And he was the guy that was doing like, you know, hour long fights, that old school Valley Tudo style Valley where there Tudo. were new roles where you can headbutt, you could groin strike, you grab somebody's balls and like twist them. And it was Hit like, the head. holy fuck, like, eye gouge yeah. people and stuff, fish hook people. Yeah. You ever see that Violent one stuff, video man. with mm-hmm. uh, Ricks and Gracie versus Zulu? Yes, yeah, yeah. That, uh-huh. fun, that was savage, Crazy. man. That was back in the day too. Back mm-hmm. in the day, and uh, and was it a uh, voice Gracie versus uh, Sakurama for a ninety-minute fight? Yep. Oh yeah. Until uh-huh. doing the towel, something happy. Yeah, must, I don't yeah. know what happened. Mm-hmm. Or um, uh, Yoshida. Yoshida, yeah. And, uh, uh-huh. When he choked out uh, Gracie. Yep. Mm-hmm. I saw another video on, on YouTube where voice Gracie got choked out in, in Brazil by Ismail. Oh yeah, uh, I forget he, the guy's last he name. He choked uh, him and let him go, and everyone started running, like let him go, and he yeah. was like knocked uh-huh. out. Yeah, yeah. He was like the first Brazilian to choke out a Gracie. A Gracie, yeah. I was like, what? The I fuck? forget that guy's last name, but I know but exactly yeah, what you're talking he does, about. I yeah. think he does. I think he, I don't know if he's the president for jungle fights. I think you're right. Yeah, he's that's like, head, like uh-huh. that's their uh, they they have this league over here called LFA Legacy Fighting Alliance. Yeah, uh, that my buddy fought for last night, and that's kind of like uh, like Alan Joban, uh, Holly Holm. Holly Joban. Yeah, yeah, really cool guy too. I actually did a photo shoot with him Joban. a long time ago. Tenth Planet guy too. Yeah. Okay. I'll he's be- actually a, uh, either Gucci or Versace model. Probably one of the most beautiful men I've ever seen. No oh, homo. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's actually for the Equinox campaign, too. He, yeah. Uh, he does a, I think he does a podcast with Karen Bryan, I think. He does, yeah, that's right. Yeah, pretty boy right there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh-huh. I know. Gorgeous yeah, yeah. man, gorgeous man, beautiful. Him, and um, I always see, you know, from time to time, you see uh, the guy who plays, uh, oh, that guy, uh, that one Bush guy Bush, pretends yeah. like I'm 25, 24 time, like his 24 uh, time, uh, 
Jiu-Jitsu World Champion. Oh, Hinato Laranja. I love that yep. guy. Uh -huh. yeah, he's yeah, a little yeah. pimp. Dad. These are not my kids. Dude. Uh huh. Uh, his real name. He's an actor, actually. His name I is. I didn't uh, know that. Hassan. Yeah, he's yeah. a Tenth Planet black belt now. Actually, really nice guy. But man, his character—he just steered all the way into it. Same thing. Going back to like the offensiveness and stuff too. Like people want to say like oh it's you know rude what he says or how he degrades rim and it's like you know it's just a character right yeah. like it's like being mad at people like larry the cable guy <laughs> for being like a redneck or something it's i like, saw the this is a character bro I like <laughs> i saw the video he did we tried to punk that one guy oh man he's a jiu-jitsu champion but he had a stink he got knocked out by ryan bader in the ultimate fighter oh that's right um, uh what's my call you know that brazilian guy what is his name? Uh, Vinny Magalish. Yeah. Yes. He punked uh -huh. him in the video. Yeah, yeah. He was like, is he, is he being serious? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, like, I don't uh -huh. know. Some people don't know if he's serious. So you could YouTube See, this one. Uh, Nate Diaz. Oh, I saw that. They got into it. That and, was in Long Beach. And Hanato was kind of like, oh, yeah. And kind of like backed away real quick because Nate Diaz is not about that. Play like, that yeah, shit. no, he don't play that shit. Unless yeah, he's, he's in on the joke. Yeah, he's not playing that he, shit. <laughs> yeah, like, well, that's... Nate is Nate. Yeah. You know, that's, that's why you gotta love that dude, that's man. That's pack, dude. Yeah. I mean, fucking him and Gilbert and fucking mm -hmm. and Jake Shield. Yeah, her rapper with Jake Shield, he uh he, he fucked up uh, Swanson's leg. Yeah, man. It's out for a fucking year. It's so weird, that's the thing I have a problem though. Why are UFC fighters doing jiu-jitsu and you know you're taking a chance? And now he's out for a whole year, now he doesn't get paid. Man, that's the weird thing, and I, I ran into those problems too. It's like if you're just the purest jujitsu guy. You're gonna see that all the time. Like Cynthia Calvillo went against this girl. Uh, she just got her black belt. Cynthia Calvillo, she's a hot. She, yeah, if you follow this other girl, her name is Danielle Kelly, BJJ on Instagram. Yeah. Uh, she just got her black belt. She won EBI recently too. Uh huh. She heel hooks Cynthia in like ten seconds, and it's just one of those things. If you're the MMA fighter and you go against a purist of jujitsu. Most of the time, if it's just grappling rules, I would say like 90% of the time the grappler's gonna win because that's all they train. With MMA, I mean, if there are punches involved, yeah, Cynthia could have done some damage from the top, but if you're just rolling for heel hooks, just like how Cub got caught, he was already in a big, oh, I saw basically that. leg triangle from there. Oh, it was bad, man. And the sad thing too, my buddy who works at Equinox, he trains over at the training lab now, which is, you know, TJ's gym oh, yeah, yeah. over in uh, Huntington Beach. He trained him up for that fight to get ready for the uh, grappling match and everything. Oh. He was talking about after that fight, he was going to take this fight because he had just beat Crone Gracie too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah. had so much steam going for him. Now yeah. he's out for a year. He was, he mm -hmm. was on a four-fight four losing streak. Mm -hmm. Before that. Yeah, mm -hmm. he was just like, damn, I felt bad. I didn't even know he was married to Kendra Perez. Yeah, old she school again. Pratt days. Oh, my she God. She was the host. Oh, my God. She oh, was so hot. She's so beautiful. Yeah, she was uh, hot as hell, I man. I just like live. I mean, people don't know what Pride was, but mm. that Pride was a wild, wild west. Back when you had to watch it, like, either late at night or get the bootleg videos. Yeah, the VHS tapes. On, yeah. I used to watch it on, <laughs> on Fox, you know, yeah, when yeah. they had a... He's a, he's a referee now, uh, Frank Twiggs. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, and, yeah, and all that, and uh -huh. tell the stories, and that's why I heard the name, Fader, Fader, mm -hmm. Fader, the greatest, you know, and all that. Mm -hmm. There's were reruns of him and Rupert Crowcroft. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, man, it was this... Those were the days. Those were the days, man, and people will never remember those ones because like I don't think people want to take the time to watch old fights or anything like oh. that but if you're a purist for like MMA and competition like that I think you have to go back and watch those old pride ones man yeah yeah. you know who was a monster I always looked I, I loved him when he fight was uh, Ricardo Rona yes uh huh that guy when and then he, he was... disappeared after the rampage the power bomb yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. he just like I, thought, I remember when they you would see bottom out I was like oh I'm gonna see a world Ricardo win yeah never heard from he did one fight and that was mm -hmm. it and that was it yeah there's a whole thing with Brazilian top teams versus mm -hmm. shooter box and yeah all that stuff I mean it was 
Shooter Pocket, Brazilian Top Team. Mm -hmm. Brazilian Top Team was actually my first uh, team that I was with when I was doing the Gi Jiu-Jitsu back Which in... Which one, in uh, Long Beach? Uh, yeah, Long Beach. Uh -huh. uh, was it Garcia's over there? Yep. Uh -huh. yeah, yeah, I wanted to go over there, but I, a long time ago, no lie, um, they had an old one. It was over there on 7th Street in Long Beach. They yeah, old yeah. Brazilian Top Team, uh -huh. and they moved, and um, I saw, uh, first time ever, middleweight champion from the USC, Pusamante. Oh shit! Yeah, I was like, oh, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember, uh -huh. but I, I wanted to say something. I was so nervous. Like I, remember, I was gonna say, I remember you got knocked out by Dan Henderson. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to say like, oh man, what right. the fuck am I talking about, dude? <laughs> <laughs> fuck, dude. He's yeah. like, I remember. For but sure, for your sure. Your training was so like, wow, man. That old school Valley Tudo style, yeah. yeah. Man. Uh -huh. I mean, that's the only one I know. Brazilian top team, shooter box. I mean, now they call it like fight solutions. Uh -huh. I mean, that's when the cybergs the train over there. Yeah. Uh -huh. And all that stuff. And that was like okay. And now uh, I'm, I'm seeing. I'm trying to get Aaron McKee on the podcast. Oh, nice. Yeah. From, from uh -huh. I think Ultimate Fitness Training. Yeah. Uh -huh. But I know Aaron Pico's not there no more. No, he's over at, at uh, Jackson's. Jackson's. Yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. Jackson's and uh, I, you know me, Aaron McKee, man. That guy is he's he's a stud. Like, he's a stud, man. He's yeah. Very mm -hmm. special. He's very special, mm -hmm. man. He's going to be a champion one day, I and think. And having his yeah. father has so much experience, and he's learning the ropes, trying to get his feet wet, like, fight, fight, fight. Yeah. That's, I, he's very promising. Did you know they put him, ranked him as number one uh, rookie fighter or some, like, young fighter from ESPN? Oh, nice. Good. I saw that. I was like, yeah. and he, he's not even a UFC guy, because UFC focuses on, ESPN mm -hmm. focuses on UFC. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, what? That's why it's cool to see, like, things like UFC now kind of helping out with that as far as, like, not just recognizing just the UFC, but MMA as a sport now. Yeah. And taking not just like, hey, this is what happens in the UFC, but looking at like, hey, competition's a good thing. If we have things like Bellator, if we have things like Ryzen, uh, even like the build-up leagues like um, LFA or um, there's another big one. The Mexican. Uh, uh, Combate, yeah. Combate, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's another good one, too. That's another like, one with Tito. Yeah, exactly. That uh -huh. guy, that's the guy who got knocked out by Prokop. Had that Mexican luchador mask. Yeah, uh, what is his name again? Uh, Dos something. Dos Cruz. I forget his name, but it's something, like... Something, yeah. Man, even when Chuck was training up for that fight against Tito, it was just like... Because I, I, I've seen Chuck at West LA a couple times. Chuck, I, Chuck. I will never say anything bad about Chuck Liddell because he is a pioneer of the sport. Chuck's and I the love man. the guy, but at a certain point, man, age catches up to all of us and we just start slowing down. He should have not took that fight with Tito. And Tito just looks fresh for some reason, man. He's defying age right now. Yeah, I remember his back was really messed up and uh, mm -hmm. I remember I went to see a, a, a fiction fight. Oh, okay, and yeah. that's when I went to go see Fader when he knocked, when he knocked out Andre Sylvia. Ala oh, and then Andre Alaska. I went to too. that one too. Yeah. <laughs> but I remember that I saw the scuffle with uh, Tito uh, Babalu. Oh, yeah, dude. Babalu yeah, was yeah, there yeah. and uh -huh. all that. Then I saw the one with... Uh, uh, Andrea Alaski fucking knocked out Ben Rossville. Oh yeah, yeah. That uh -huh. one and fucking uh, Vic, Vic, uh, Victor, he knocked out uh, that guy from fucking well, Randy Couture's guy. Uh, um, who was that again? Uh, you know, well, he, he was one who gave that fucking bloody cut. Um, yeah, the, yeah, I know exactly. Bulldogs. Yeah, what's uh -huh. his name? I know exactly what you're oh, talking about. I can't think of his name Chill right now. Sonnen, it was Randy Couture and him. I forgot the name. Oh, who is that again? I know exactly what you're talking he about. I can't think of his name. I know, man. It was lots of old school, man. Yeah, oh my God. I remember Affliction was that weird one, too. It was like weird, like money laundering that was going yeah, on with uh, the Affliction, like clothing line. And then even before that, they had uh, Bodog fights. 
which yeah. was another weird was a one. Betting one. Yeah, that was a betting one, and yeah, that was yeah. the first one where you could put money down on like MMA and stuff too. I remember yeah. I, I got tickets for the fucking Fedor versus Josh Barnett, and that's where Josh Barnett got went for steroids. Got caught with steroids. And oh, that's right. That's it with yeah. the company. It went down. It went down. Yeah. Everything uh-huh. is like what? Yeah, yeah. Like, I just I, I hated. I hated it, man. Right. <laughs> I was like fucking bummed, but fucking Bader, the myth of Bader. Uh-huh. I mean, he's still... The legend continued, yeah. He's still like, yeah, he's still in his fucking 40s, still doing it. Mm-hmm. He I just mean, beat a Rampage, yeah. Yeah, fucking Ryan Bader, dude. Mm-hmm. He fucking he clipped him with, with that weird, punch. that jab slash yeah. hook kind of thing. It was really weird how he hit him with that, yeah. Yeah, but I know with Bader, he gets cut easy. Mm-hmm. He has a lot of cuts and everything. The scar tissue, man, just over years, like getting hit too much. Like Nate Diaz, too, you saw that yeah, last oh, yeah. one for the BMF title. Oh, yeah. He took a couple shots and then his face just opened up, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, I was going to talk about uh, yeah. the UFC 246 is tonight. I mean, I'm going to put this episode out on Thursday, but I, I, I mean, we, I got my the picks. I know Claudia, Alexia, that's out counsel because Alexa was that's a, a bummer, man. The weight cut, yeah. Six pounds. Six pounds over. It's like. <gasps> You know, I want to give the benefit of the doubt, but if your job is to make weight, that's how I've always looked at it, just my low level. Do they just, do it in the last minute? Sometimes they do it last minute. It's just not planned out really well. You count on, like, you know, getting in the sauna, how where you're going to sweat and everything, but it all depends, like, your nutrition leading up to it. If you have too much sodium in your diet, too much meat, water retention, you're going into yeah, the yeah. science at this point. And also, too, with the woman, too, hormonal cycle, yeah. Oh, yeah. birth control, you know, I hate saying it, but like your period, stuff like that. She made a post about it, addressing all that stuff. At the end of the day, she owned up to it. She handled it really well and said she was moving up to flyweight afterwards. So, yeah, yeah it's a bummer. That's, I was I'm, looking forward to that fight, too. I know. I'm mm-hmm. kind of looking for the dark the dark horse is Anthony Pettis versus Carlos uh, that's the Oh, that's the fight right there. Oh, I've been a fan of Diego uh, Fiera for a long, long time beast. because beast kickboxing, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt. But the first time I heard about Showtime was when he was fighting in WEC. He was going to get... kick with Ben Henderson. Even before that, he really? was going to get cut. He was fighting Danny Castillo. And there was a Castillo. there was a documentary filmmaker, uh, Andrew Jenks. Oh, it was on MTV. He was on that was World a long of Jenks. Time ago. I remember that. And he talked about everything with his father passing away and all this yeah. stuff, and it hit really close to home. And I was and he like, murdered, huh? Yeah, he got murdered, man. Oh, yeah, in Milwaukee. Yeah. And uh, I heard that uh, show, and I was like, man, I'm rooting for this guy. And he ended up winning that fight. And I was like, oh, that's the guy. I remember seeing that fight because I was a big fan of WEC. Yeah. Uriah Faber, all those Cowboy. old school. Cowboy. yeah. We're, He's still doing it now. All those old school fighters came from. And people forget about that. The blue octagon, the blue gloves and everything. I used to get so excited when I would see WEC on. I was like, oh, hell yeah. Remember tap out? Yeah, a tap out too. Oh, yeah. Fast? Hell yeah. So actually funny with tap out, that's where uh, I heard a Scott for the first time. My, my jiu-jitsu coach right now, he was on like episode four or something. Uh-huh. And he was like the jiu-jitsu guy, like the bad boy of like MMA. If you ever go back and watch uh, the movie Never Back Down, he's not in the first one, but he's in Never Back Down 2. Oh, I sound like the first one. Scott plays just... the bad guy in uh, okay, Never okay. Back Down 2. Yeah, <laughs> he plays the guy with the emo wig in the beginning, and then he shaves his head. Yeah, that's my coach. <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah. uh, who, who did the training for that one? I think it was uh, uh, Paulson for the first one. Oh, yeah, yeah, uh-huh, Paulson, yeah. Uh, uh-huh. yeah. Yeah, Eric Paulson. Yeah, mm-hmm. that guy's very trippy, dude. Mm-hmm. 
Did you hear that podcast with him, Eddie Bravo? Yes. Uh, About the creepy, like, all these dimensions. Uh Uh-huh. Of, like, all these, like, portals. Yep. Uh Oh, my God. Getting into conspiracies and all that, yeah. And, like, a haunted place. Uh What the fuck is going on? They talk about all that stuff, man. And it's just, I think they're just more open to the idea of it, too. And I think that's, like, uh... It's pretty cool just to be open to that interpretation of it and everything, too. Yeah. Like, just to kind of, you know, if you've ever done, like, psychedelics or anything, too, where I always call it, like, kind of look, looking through, like, the veil a little bit. Because it's like we always walk around. We have, like, blinders on. You know, we're always like, this is our one dimension. This is where we are. Yeah. Tell that to somebody who's done, like, DMT or mushrooms or something, which I've done quite a bit of, especially, like, mushrooms it? and stuff. It's fantastic, man. But I don't recommend it to people who have any, like, you know, schizophrenia, any other issues like that where... It could lift the veil and keep the veil up. Yeah. I always call you, you just want to kind of look through the veil and kind of see how things are on the other side and then come back, learn from those experiences. As long as you go into it with an intention, I think that's more beneficial. Yeah, yeah man. Mm-hmm. So we got like another fight, Holly Holmes, uh, Raquel Pennington. Is that the one where her eye was messed up and she wanted, she gave up, right? It was weird, yeah, because weird. like um, I think she won that one either split decision or it was a man, close Amanda decision. Her up, man. Yeah, so her up. it'll be interesting to see how Holly comes back after that last loss, and then I think Raquel. This is her first or second fight after losing to Amanda Nunez as she's well. On a, she's on a one fight win streak. I forgot who she fought I in her know, last yeah. fight. Who I can't even it? think. Uh, Tenth Planet West LA. Sick. Yeah, hell yeah, man. Oh, nice, man. Hell yeah, man, for sure. Yeah, dude. (laughs) But um, I'm looking forward to that fight because I think they're both two people who fought the champion and want to try to test themselves again, especially Holly Holm, who's 37 now, coming up on 38. She's like, I still want to be champion. She's a fucking warrior, man. So boxer, champion. They're going to bring their A game tonight, I think. Yeah, Yeah, that's going to be a war. Um, the guy, the Russian guy who does Ezekiel choke. Oh, Aliki, Aliski, Aliski Olenek, yeah. When I saw that, 80 I was inch like, reach or something, yeah. I was like, how do you fucking do that? <laughs> right, right. I mean, he doesn't have no fucking geese. Mm-hmm. I don't know how. It's just because his arms are so freakishly long. And, like, people who have that squeeze, I think he's, like, 57 and 13, his record. So you're talking 70 fights in MMA and then however much grappling and then being Russian, too, the Sambo experience, what they call... Master of Combat Sports over in Russia. You get Russian people like mm-hmm. like Ten Planet. We get quite a few, and then uh, there's a Gi school that also is inside of our Ten Planet affiliate as well too. That rents space out of there. Yeah. Uh, this guy Marcus Vinicius, he always tells a story. Really cool guy to talk to too. He runs the Beverly Hills Jiu Jitsu Club. He used to train. Uh, what's his name back in the day? Uh, Boss Rutten. Oh, my yeah, God. Uh-huh. man. El Wapo, yeah. El Wapo's the man. Uh-huh. Legend. But uh, they talk about all that, like how those Russians, man, they have really weird, like, peppered records as well, too, because, like, they can have 100 combat sambo fights, which are essentially, like, MMA fights. Yeah. But then they come and do pro MMA, and they'll be, like, zero and zero. And it's like, oh, you're fighting, like, a newly professional, but they're so experienced. So his squeeze is probably, like, if he shook your hand, it would probably be so painful. So you now take that amount of squeeze that he has all that isometric strength. So when he puts it around your throat, man, you see people tap so fast. Like when, I think he pulled, it was Junior Albini, he Uh pulled him into mount. So he pulled him on top of him and then still laced his arms around and got that Ezekiel choke in it. It's crazy, man. 
and he's fighting a guy in Maurice Green, I think, who's like a blue belt in jiu-jitsu. It's like nine and three. He's gonna try to keep it standing. If yeah. that, if Elite, uh, Olenek gets a hold of him, it's gonna be a short night. It's gonna be a short night, uh -huh. and the the main one, Connor versus Donald. So two guys that like. I've been a fan of Connor since the earliest days, and then he started talking way too much shit. Connor eats his fight. Donald, he has nothing. He's, he, he has nothing. He can he lose, nothing and lose. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it's one yeah. of those weird ones because they'll always uh, want a cowboy's gonna cowboy. They're gonna let cowboy fight whenever he wants. He could basically call for like anybody that's not a title challenger or a title holder, and they'll probably give him that fight. He'll take all the up and coming guys like your Alex Hernandez is people who are supposed to be like the next big thing and he'll fight them and starch them uh -huh. but the interesting thing with the cowboy connor fight is cowboy wants to fuck up connor Man. and whenever cowboy wants to fuck somebody up when he takes it personal he usually loses like when he yeah. fought nate diaz masvidal masvidal he wanted to hurt these people and he wanted to prove something against them it was weird because he didn't bring his a game with that or like with Nate Diaz. Mm -hmm. with Nate Diaz was he the big was one, yeah. Oh man. It was that was a weird fight too because of just the shit talking, but because Connor never got too personal with this one, there's a respect thing and Cowboys all about respect. I think he's going to bring his A game tonight, man. Well, they were saying on the food truck with Brandon Shaw and Dominic, he saw him at the institute and he's like, "Dude, like Connor is it's different. Change yeah. like mm -hmm. he changed like it's different. I'm hoping it's like the old Connor and I could jump back on that bandwagon me again, too, man. man. I'm not even ashamed to say that, but yeah, man. if you were to ask me like what I would put money on, it's a 50-50 split for me. And I don't have those a lot. Like I usually give you an honest opinion. Yeah. And I could be non-biased and be like, oh, you know, even though he's my favorite, I could pick against an opponent or something. But uh -huh. for this one, it's a 50-50 split. I don't know what's going to happen. Well, what happens <laughs> if he beats Donald, Masvidal, and Usman? Now he's like that's his biggest comeback career of oh, all yeah. time. Oh, yeah. Oh, 100%. Yeah. He, he got all three belts now. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. If he were to get, for example, like he gets through Cowboy and they give him, you know, Masvidal for the BMF title, you know, the quote where we're never going to defend this title ever again. And now they're talking about defending the title and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I love Dana for that, where it's yeah. just like, oh, cash cow, we're just going to monetize on this. But if he got through, say, theoretically Masvidal and then fought uh, Usman and then got through Usman he would have to go down as the GOAT even though the losing streak you know negates all that it's that's the a war. cool it's the war See, it's like it's the cool lost. thing about MMA is like you could literally have a loss and then next thing you know you come back you have a big fight and then you're a title contender again yeah yeah what happens mm -hmm. if he beats all those three guys and he fights Khabib and he beats him too right yeah he's like what the fuck they got GSP it's just it's such a crazy sport oh. like that where you're only one win one loss away yes. from either being cut or being infamous but the pressure yeah. with him because you have USC you have the whole Ireland on your back right right if you lose like Brent Stop like fuck he's done that's the weird thing too about like Connor too is like if you go back and you watch like the weigh-ins of the Floyd Mayweather fight when oh, he's yeah. standing up there and he's yelling at Floyd it's almost like he's got a heart on when he's standing there it's really weird he's like he's got a boner as he's yelling at Floyd <laughs> he actually like loves the pressure and he loves like all that Damn, weight on him man. And, like, I don't understand it. Because even watching, like, my buddy fight, I'm in, you know, the comfort of my home. I'm holding one of my dogs with my girlfriend. My heart's beating out of my chest. And I'm like, man, the fucking pressure. And that was something I could never deal with. That's why I love being just more on the coaching side now. <laughs> I remember they did something where out of all the UFC fighters who are the one who was very calm when you go in a fight, had, mm -hmm. had no pressure, nothing, to, with Michael Bisping. 
Bisping, man. I love Bisping, no, dude. He has no pressure, no calm, no butterflies. Yeah, he's yeah. Like, mm. like, I want to get his. Fuck? He's got a book coming out. I think next week or this week. Uh, Quitters never win. Uh huh. I want to. I want to get that book so bad. Yeah, he's one of my favorite fighters. Even though I rooted against him, and I'll say this on record, in the Dan Henderson fight, the first one. Oh yeah. Just because I was like, I can't. I was old school. Same, go back old school, man. I couldn't root against Dan Henderson. Yeah. I, was, I couldn't do it. I, I mean, I, I, I mean, I love Dan Henderson from from the party days, man. I couldn't do it, he man. Had yeah. wars. Big had time wars. wars yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, when when he knocked when he knocked out fucking Sylvia Silva in fucking Las Vegas to get right. that middle, and he was like a two way champ and had Quinn and mm-hmm. all. I was like. He's just a savage, man. They don't make him like that anymore. How come they didn't? Did they, 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 did they put the belt on the line? If, you, if you're from Pride FC, you won the belts. Can, can, you, can you defend that belt at the UFC? You know, have two-way belts? They should have done that. They like, should have done that. Almost like uh, how boxing does it, like the cross uh, promotions and everything. Yeah. But they were just too, like, kind of linear at the time as far as just looking at it. Like, this is how we monetize, build up our companies. Because he was a two-way champ. He was yes. middleweight and mm-hmm. light heavyweight. Yep. Or was, was it was it welterweight or was it middleweight? I think it was welterweight and... Middleweight. And light heavyweight, actually. Sun, I don't yeah. think they had a middleweight. I think their welterweight was a middleweight, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, because I know, I remember he was a light heavyweight, and Quinn, at the time, he was like, I want to find him because he was a pride champion. Yeah, yeah. And I remember uh-huh. that. I was watching that on Spike TV. Yeah, for Spike TV, <laughs> the old... <laughs> No one knows, man. Nobody knows about that. The Spike TV days, man. Yeah, that's fun. man. That's a no. <laughs> but right now, we're going to take a break right now, and we'll be right back. All right. We're back on, and uh, we took a little break. Uh, we went to a yard house to get some burgers. I got some uh, tacos, beers, and everything. So now, um, Ray, man, uh, where did you grow up at? So I grew up in Orange County. Um I always feel because when I grew up, this was a big show that was on at the time. Remember the OC? Yeah. Uh, anytime I throw that out there, people are always like, oh man, you grew up in like Newport, like Orange Hills and stuff. Like you were in like mansions and stuff. Complete other end. I grew up closer to Santana, uh-huh. Santa Ana for my white Gil- people. Gilbert Bernard is that he was from Santa Ana. Yep. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I, I grew saying. up almost on the borderline of that. If you've been to Orange County, right around uh, the Orange Circle, that street Chapman. There's another cross street called Tustin. I grew up basically right around there. Yeah, right in that area, Way right up in the in heartland of Orange. What's that? Way up in those hills. Like, you yeah, know, exactly. You know uh-huh. when you take the fucking uh, the 22 and you go away and you're like, you know, you like, you see the mountains way out there. Yep. Indoors, like, damn, we're almost there, dude. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, uh-huh. those are all the rich houses over those there. Those are all the rich houses, like uh, your Villa Park. Uh, your Belinda? Your Belinda, there we go. I was looking I for the other name. Time. Yeah, yeah, I hooked uh-huh. up with a girl one time. Nice. It was, it was <laughs> weird, dude. Right, right. It was crazy. I was like, you're Belinda. It's like, this is a nice area. I only had that happen one time where I woke up in a mansion. Uh, we were partying in Nashville when I was in the military. And it was actually the first night I went to Nashville. We were, uh, it was like 4 a.m. Last call was like super late at night. Yeah. And we had met these girls and we went back to their place. And we went back to their place. We were in Tennessee over in Nashville. And we went to uh, Franklin, Tennessee. It was about a two-hour drive. And they drove us back to their place. And I was so drunk, uh, I ended up passing out in the car. And then when I woke up in the morning, I woke up in this big ass, like double king size bed. Uh-huh. I had literally had to do like five rolls just to get off the bed. And I was like, where the fuck am I? <laughs> and uh, I ended up hooking up with this chick. Long story short though, when we leave the house, we we're in this giant mansion. And I was like, where the fuck are we? And we're like, oh, we're in Franklin, Tennessee. And I was like, <laughs> where the fuck is Franklin, Tennessee? And like, we ended up going back to base and like partying in Nashville that same night. And it was 
Yeah. Oh my god. Sounds yeah. like the wrestler. Yeah. Oh man, we used to call. It <laughs> wake sm- up and it's like some girl's house. Yeah, we used to call it Smashville for more than one other reason. Smashville. Oh my god. <laughs> so many uh, Tennessee women out there. Oh my god, it was such a good time out there. Oh yeah. my god. I would love to go back one day, but yeah, I'm in a relationship now, so. <laughs> no more. What too many, sound? too many, <laughs> too many wild women out there. <laughs> too yeah. Many wild women. Especially being in the military, man. Yeah. What almost, high school did you go to? So I went to El Medina High School. Yeah. Uh-huh. El Medina was, if you look back in like 2001. Yeah, 2001, I was a freshman. We made big headlines in the news because, you know, everybody talks about, like, you know, especially now being open towards, like, gay people, trans people and everything. This is, fuck, 19 years ago now. We actually started at my school. This one guy, I forget his name. I wish I could remember it. I could probably Google it, look it up. But he started a gay club at our school, and we used to have people protest at our school outside to be like, gays go home and stuff and I'm like what the fuck man like people don't have anything better to do with their lives they want to stop a high school from having like what they called the GSA the gay straight alliance so we made a bunch of headlines back then when I was a freshman but mm-hmm. I went to uh, El Medina which became known as after that Homodina. Homodina. yeah <laughs> oh my god then after high school how was it like when you go to high school it was like mm-hmm. was it bad in those times like it was parties is the, so I actually didn't party too much like in high school as far as like with like groups of people until my senior year but uh-huh. with my group of friends that I had I got really into from an early age drugs and selling drugs especially you know it starts off like everybody like pot a little bit of drinking here and there yeah and then when I got into harder drugs I actually got into and it was a pretty big jump if you think about it you know hindsight's always 2020 but I started doing meth actually at probably uh. yeah 14 13 uh, yeah man. and I went from even straight like snorting it to smoking it because smoking it felt way better than snorting it just because putting something in my nose just kind of hurt to be honest with you nose nosebleeds and all yeah nosebleeds and all that's so it's basically like you're snorting glass and then smoking it oh. it just felt i know this is gonna sound weird it felt cleaner but and it gave you more of a high and stuff but i didn't do it as much you know freshman sophomore junior year but senior year it was maybe like once every weekend yeah Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy, man. Mm-hmm. And it's just one of those things that became so normal because I had like a group of friends where, you know, we went out, we went to parties and stuff, we got drunk and stuff. And then I fights. had a, Yeah, and like little fights here and there, but then I had like my cholo friends that were all gangbanging and stuff where when we went out, it was like we were looking for trouble. And, you know, my one of my good friends, my buddy Joe, who I'm still really good friends with, who's out of gangbanging now would always kind of try to keep me away from it because going back to the Mikula mentality, I just yeah. I wanted to be into that so bad at the time that I wanted to really be a part of that scene and, you know, wanted to shave my head and stuff. But it became more of it as if you look like a white boy when you hang out with all the gang members and the trollos and stuff, you can kind of be like the wheel man and get away with more <laughs> stuff. And it's like nobody suspects the white boy. It looks more like we kidnapped you rather than like you're our friend oh and stuff. God. Yeah. So I got away with a lot of stuff and I got to stay like kind of incognito like that too so uh uh-huh. uh-huh. it's crazy man yeah. orange is fucking like you hear those george perez stories man you, you it's can a relate. weird it's a weird place to live like grow up and live in because when you hear about it you think of like yeah just like the orange hills and stuff you think of like rich white people and everything yeah and i'm not talking down on that it's just i don't know what that is like i grew up being very comfortable not even realizing growing up poor or anything just because like my parents were really good people they were just really big hippies yeah and they gave me a lot of like freedom and stuff just to kind of go do for lack of a better term whatever the fuck i wanted yeah yeah, so i just steered into all the crazy shit too like even when i was hanging out with my other buddies when jackass first came out 
I got really into the film and like editing and stuff. And like we used to record jackass videos and do stunts and stuff. So I was always oh, into just doing God, wild serious? and crazy stuff like shopping cart stunts. Like we're over by a oh, that was scary. You got wow. we're over we're over by a staircase right now. Like we would totally film like going down in a shopping cart down that big ass flight of Fuck stairs that. and stuff. Yeah, no that's way. why it's so, it's so funny that when I broke my arm, I was like, man, I've never broken a bone before from all the falling, all the crazy shit that I did my fall that I fell from like two feet is when I broke my arm versus going down like a loading dock that's like six feet or some shit yeah. you know the scariest <laughs> one Jackass the one in the movie is when uh, who's Preston Preston's the big fat one yeah right? yeah he, get, uh -huh. he gets kicked in the face by a football by the oh, kicker oh yeah yeah I thought he took all his teeth out mm -hmm. That, that shit hard. scared me, man. When it's anything like you're losing teeth and stuff, and then going back to meth and stuff, that's oh, like, man. I used to freak out with stuff like that. Like, because it feels like at a certain point, like your teeth are falling out when you've been up for a couple days. You go into some weird psychosis shit, man. Yeah. Oh, mm -hmm. man, those are times. Yeah. So after high school, uh, did you go to college? So I went to college for a year and a half. I went to Santiago Canyon College and Santana College. Santana. And, uh, I was studying, this is going to sound weird, criminal justice, because I was like, you know what, I'm going to be like, uh, what's his name from uh, <laughs> Blood and Blood Out, I'm going to be a reform cop, I'm going to be the narc and stuff like that, <laughs> and uh, once I started doing it, I got more into the side of like probation work, and I was like, maybe I can make a difference doing that, not so much being like a uniform cop or something, but maybe yeah. I can help people that want to transition out of that. Yeah, so start over. But... Man, I honestly, I couldn't kick the habit. I started smoking meth a hell of a lot more. I was selling it too. So I was getting it for free. I was supplying it. And then I was having a lot of sex with just a lot of random women. Like, um, we would go out to parties. and then, Sounds like me back in the day. Yeah, because I had dope and stuff. It's just like, girl, it was almost like a weird thing of almost like having coke in a sense. Where if you had drugs on you, it was currency. And girls wanted more of like the dope than the actual person. So as long as you had the dope, then you could get the girls. And it just became a constant habit of doing that. And I felt like I was just stuck in this trap. I was engaged at the time too. The girlfriend that I had had proposed to me, which was a really weird thing. I'll never forget, I was sitting at my buddy Joe's house. We were posted up on uh, his laundry machines, his dryer and his washer. And she was in New she was in Mexico with her ex-boyfriend. Yeah. I don't know why she went with her ex-boyfriend, <laughs> but she shoots me a text saying that she's calling off you know our relationship all this stuff and everything so when she called it off um it was one of those things that you know i was heartbroken at the time i got really back deep into the, you know doing the drugs and everything and when i got stuck doing that man i was just heartbroken and i wanted to get out of the situation i was in mm -hmm. and i saw it on you know tv and movies and stuff and then i've had family fight in every single war since like world war one world war two vietnam korea uh i think somebody served during the invasion the gulf war the first time around yeah and i was like you know what if i'm gonna you know only live to be say 25 or whatever on the route that i'm going let's go do it with a fucking purpose so i was like you know what? let's go fucking sign up for the military and i went to go sign up for the military and i didn't know which branch i wanted to do i went to go talk to a marine recruiter and the Marines, because, you know, you don't know anything back then. And, yeah. You know, my hat's off to the Marines. They do their stuff. They're not as smart. You know, that's my little knock to the Marines. Ooh, wow. But, uh, you know, I talked to the Marine recruiter, and he was just kind of like, well, what do you want to do while you're in? And I was like, well, I, I haven't really decided. I definitely want to go combat. And he's like, yeah, so you want to be a killer, huh? Says that would be fucking Rambo. Dude. And I was like... I, I mean, I guess so. And he was like, yeah, you know what? The Marines could definitely make you a killer. 
and I was just like kind of intimidated by it. And I was like, you so know, like full metal jacket. Yeah, right I was here. like, holy shit, man. So I went to go talk to the army recruiter, and the army recruiter was like, yeah, what do you want to do? And I was telling him, oh, you think I want to go combat arms, this and that. And he was like, well, you know, there's a war going on, right? Like if you sign up for combat, you're going overseas like 100%. So he kind of tried to talk me out of it. He was like, you could be a truck driver, you can do mechanic work, you could be a cook. You don't have to go and sign up for, you know, combat. And I was like, oh, this is kind of interesting, though. They're trying to talk me out of it. So I took the test. I scored really high on the test. Uh-huh. And you had, on the ASVAB at the time, you had to get at least, like, 100 to go for selection for Special Forces. And I was like, okay, what did I score? And I scored uh, 120. And it was a lot higher than I anticipated. Because taking tests in school, man, like, I got decent grades. But I was never one to excel or anything. So when I found out that, I was like, you know what? If I'm going to go in, let's try to go Special Forces or something. So I was always in the back of my head. So I was like, I'll do the whole infantry thing. I'll go for Special Forces after we go to, like, Iraq, Afghanistan, whatever happens. And I ended up signing up infantry. And I went airborne school because... If I knew I got airborne in my contract, I'd either go to Vicenza, Italy at the time because I was looking at the deployment schedule. I would either go to Italy, I would go to the 82nd Airborne in North Carolina, or I would go to Fort Campbell, Kentucky with the 101st Airborne. And I ended up getting lucky and I served with the 101st Airborne in Kentucky. Yeah. Is that the well-known? Mm-hmm. That's the well-known one. Like if you've ever seen Band of Brothers. Oh, yes. Yeah. That was a... That's that was a legend one. Uh-huh. They mentioned my unit, the 50 Deuce, once in it, but that was about the uh, 506. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. love that show, Banner mm. Brothers. Yeah, yeah. I watched the one with the, called the the Pacific. Oh yeah, that, that was all the Marines that's over scary there. One. That's, that's a, that's some scary shit. That's man. I mean, yeah. Japanese. They they mm-hmm. they'll, they'll take you, man. They'll, yeah, yeah. They'll I mean, Germany was like you know almost there, but mm-hmm. Japan, we didn't. We just scratched the surface was when we started invading Okinawa and all that. Oh yeah, and we was uh-huh. like we haven't been to the to the homeland yet. Yeah, yeah. Who knows? That would have been a bloodbath. Just on all those like island hopping and all that stuff, man. Oh man. So the uh, so. Being in the military, have you have you traveled the world or? So a little bit, like I got to stop off like kind of cool, like in a couple countries. I got to go to Qatar and like kind of go party over there while Qatar. I was on, yeah on that's vacation. That's like an island, right? Yeah, it's, it's uh, like, in, like in the Middle East. They call it Qatar, uh, depending on who you talk to or Qatar. If you're talking to just white people and stuff, depending <laughs> on how you pronounce it. But um, it was really weird because they have like deployments of people who go over there, and they're like, "Yeah, yeah man, I'm serving in the Middle East right now," and it's like. Dude, you're on, like, a base that, like, serves alcohol and, like, people party and, like, people were having sex and stuff. And I was like, this isn't fucking, like, deployment. And, like, people were talking, like, on the phone, like, yeah, babe, it's really hard over here. And it's like, man, I can see, like, a water slide over here. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, it's one of the richest countries in the world, so it was, like, a little vacation. I got to hang out in Germany for a day. Uh, I got to hang out in Ireland for a day. But other than that, man, like, I went to Iraq, uh... And then that was pretty much it for my deployment. Yeah, it was hot as fuck. But what people don't talk about is how cold it was, actually. Because I was over there for two winters. Really? It was so fucking... Yeah, that was the thing. Like, I was like, okay, the heat and everything. And I don't mind the heat at all, you know, being a California kid. But the cold was the one that got me. Yeah. More colder than here. More colder than here because it's a fucking desert, man. Yeah, There's nothing nothing out there, especially where we were in the farmlands and shit. It was so fucking cold during, like, we had this operation called Shitty Christmas. So, would it be, like, mountains? Because you're almost by the Kurdish side? It was all fat flatlands, actually. Oh, we are really? closer to Baghdad, actually, yeah. Oh, that would uh-huh. be, like, all little mountains. Like, if you go into Kurdish, like, Iran and all that stuff. No, no, this is closer towards, like, the middle, the center. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. There's an MSR route, they call it. Uh, it's a main supply route. 
uh, called Tampa that goes right down the middle of uh, Iraq actually yeah. and it hits like Baghdad and it goes north and north to south essentially like they took route Tampa when they invaded Kuwait when they went or I'm sorry when uh, Iraq originally tried to invade Kuwait and then we went over the first time around pushed from Kuwait all the way up through Iraq uh -huh. that was the main supply route that MSR Tampa so we did a lot of patrols down MSR Tampa just to make sure that whole route was secure because they would always lay IEDs down on there and other shit like that but um Man, it was cold as fuck from what I remember when we were yeah. over there, yeah. Because we were over there for two winters, yeah. You think you think in a way, like, the United States is ready for another war? Yes and no. It's really weird because, you know, like, I have my opinions of, like, Donald Trump and everything. And, like, not to get too far in the conspiracy yeah. side, it's just, like... I think it was the lesser of two evils as far as, like, you know, Hillary Clinton being president and stuff like that. And, you know, would I have loved to see a woman be president? Yes, just not Hillary Clinton. I think there's a whole other can of worms to open up with that. I like Tulsi Gabbard. Tulsi Gabbard is, when yeah. I heard her, you know when I heard saying? her on with, uh, with Chaco. Yeah. Uh -huh. Oh, my God. She's smart as fuck. She knows hot her shit. Too. And she's hot, too. Yeah, exactly. And she has that fucking rogues kind of hair with that little, that little yeah, white Yeah, yeah, yeah. She looks like, like an X-Men. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. She is so hot, man. But, um... The whole thing that popped off of like Iran and stuff like Obama was doing stuff like this with Syria in 2014 and the reason I remember this is because I had you know army officers because what happens is you go four years active four years inactive service yeah. so I mean if like there's like a scenario World War three is gonna pop off they'll call you back uh -huh. sorry so in World War uh, or I'm sorry when uh, 2014 when Obama was still in office, I got a phone call from an army office asking if all my information was up to date, how my health was and everything. And this is when they were talking about Obama invading Syria. Damn. But nobody talks about this shit. Nobody talks about all the drone strikes that Obama had over in Iraq, all the unanswered killings and stuff. It's just that people use their emotions and their hate of Trump to want to get him out of office, which I totally understand too. But yeah. it's at the same time, it's just like, man, you look back at every presidential cycle, it's always been the same. War's been for profit. I'm falling victim of that. Like when I was overseas, I totally fell for, you know, 9-11, all the propaganda, everything oh, for that. Man. Hook, line, and sinker, man. Yeah. It's one of those things. That's how they keep people fresh into it. So whenever we go into a country now, I always look at what companies, what things are going to benefit from going into that military-industrial war complex. You have presidents like Eisenhower, who made a famous speech about this. One of my favorite presidents, you know, Allied commander over in Europe and everything, talk about the horrors of you know the military-industrial war complex going on into the future and how it's going to be wars for profit in the future. This is you know back. 50s, 60s he was talking about this stuff and now we're seeing it all now and we're acting surprised by it, man. History just will always have a way of repeating itself, what I yeah, found. Yeah, man. It's mm -hmm. like, now it's like seeing like a lot of soldiers dying and shit over, it's fucked over up, man. fucking oil. Oil and just it. money, it's not even man. Iraq, they just want to yeah. go to war because mm -hmm. they had all the money. It's like, well, we had no mm -hmm. choice. Yep. I mean, everything's all right there in Afghanistan mm -hmm. and he let Bin Laden go all the way to Pakistan. How yep. come he didn't go bait over there? Right. It's like politics. It's really, it's all politics, man. Politics. It's all politics and money. What it comes down to even more is I think it's just a lot of money, man. It's like, who can we buy and sell? Like, with my limited experience when we were over in Iraq, to compare it to like East LA, for example, like yeah. we went into East LA and we went to Boyle Heights and we were like, hey, this gang in Boyle Heights, we'll pay you X amount of money to take out, you know, like the Crips over here. But then if we start working with the Crips and the Crips are like, hey, if you pay us this amount of money, can we work with you to take out the guys in Boyle Heights? And this is where it kind of comes into like, who is the most beneficial player for our little scheme at the time to make the most amount of money while still trying to look like we're doing the right thing to justify our invasion into a country. Yeah. Uh -huh. It's a really weird house of cards like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
fucking crazy. It's shady man. as fuck, man. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's fucking shady. So after the military, when did you? How did you start getting into uh, like Brazilian jiu-jitsu? How did, it all, how, how did it all start? So it started actually at my junior college at uh, Santa Ana. I was in just a wrestling club, and I got to meet a couple of the wrestlers over there. And then um, working with those guys, I was just getting my butt kicked all the time as far as just getting taken down, you know, thinking that I was like a tough guy. I knew how to scrap. I knew how to box a little bit. And then learning, just getting taken down, I was like, man, this is fucking hard. And these are just guys at like a JUCO college, right? So then I went into the military. There were a couple guys who were like supposed to go to college. And then same thing, kind of answered the call, wanted to go serve the country. Yeah. Some of them were actually even uh, reservists or um, National Guard people. So they would only do basic training and then go back home uh-huh. and serve from home, essentially. It'd be like weekend warriors in a sense. Oh, yeah. So yeah. these were guys that Reserves. were still, yeah, still go to college and stuff. So these guys were some of them like state champions in wrestling and stuff. And I got really infatuated with the wrestling part of it. Uh-huh. And then at the time, uh, Matt Larson had teamed up with some of the Gracie lineage Matt who Larson. runs. Why is that so he runs the Modern Army Combatives system, uh, like Tim Kennedy. Gotcha. Uh huh. All those Aren't guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really big in the MMA community now too. I forget what he's doing now. To be honest with you, but they started the Modern Army, Ar- the Modern Army Combatives program, and through that, they basically started using the uh, uniform like a gi. And then I got into kind of just in case you have yep to, exactly so it became much more instead of like the striking and everything they just turned it into pure just kind of gi jiu-jitsu but using your uniform and stuff so I started learning a lot more of that uh, my squad leader at the time was really big into MMA got me involved in MMA from there yeah when I got back in 2010 I had a couple smokers at the gym I was at I was telling you earlier uh, at the old gym I was yeah. at just as Muay Thai gym we used to have a thing called knockout Friday Fuck where every that. day on Friday it was we'd never would stop practice until somebody got knocked out and it was like not even knocked out from like getting dropped from a body shot i'm talking like somebody had to be like on the floor knocked out so i learned like pretty good defense because i was never the one to be like i'm gonna knock somebody out it's just not in me to do that unless it's like an actual fight and like i'm because like going back to alan iverson like we're talking about practice Practice. exactly like i would never look at it like i'm trying to hurt somebody in practice it's never been my intention because i remember back in the day with like boss ruin or like ken sharma they would go hard 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 yeah yeah and it would get sometimes get brain collision like mm. knocked out and i remember hearing like robbie lauder says oh nah, i don't do all that stuff yeah. i do it when i fight i just practice whatever mm-hmm. because i want to save my energy because i yeah. don't want to get beat up and no, man. all of a sudden you get beat up you get knocked out yeah and you, you see know? it all the time like going back to uh one of the most famous fights of for unfortunately silva or unfortunately for forrest griffin fortunately for silva when they fought at 205 yeah. And Forrest Griffin had gotten out, knocked out, I think they said twice in training that week. Oh, shit. And then he fought the spider, Anderson Silva, at the time he when he was in the up. Matrix. Yeah, with a jab going backwards, too. Got oh. knocked out. But um, I had a couple boxing smokers. I had a couple kickboxing smokers. The striking part of it, I actually lost all my smokers just by decision. I just didn't have the hands or anything back then, the discipline, because I didn't have the technique or anything. Yeah. But when we started doing the MMA smokers, I started winning those ones. So I won three out of my three fights by submission, or I'm sorry, two by submission, one by knockout. Once I got that taste for that knockout, yeah. it actually did the opposite effect to me. Because most people, when they get a knockout, they're like, oh my God, I want to keep knocking people out. <laughs> this one was literally like, imagine like a hockey fight. We went out there and we just started swinging. It was only right hands. That's all I remember throwing. And I yeah. connected first. I hit the guy. The guy crumbled like Tower 7 and just went straight down. And I was like, 
holy shit, there was no celebration or anything. I actually almost wanted to start crying. It kind of scared the shit out of me. It's like that movie, like, Here Comes the Boom. Dude, it could have been me, man. And I was just like, dude, this it was fucking scary. And then after yeah. that, I stopped competing. I stopped doing everything for a while. So I got a lot of experience like early on doing all the smokers and everything. But the MMA part was what I really liked. So then when I started doing gi jiu-jitsu again, just doing more of the jiu-jitsu part of it, I got my blue belt in the gi in 2011. I went to do a couple gi tournaments, and then in the gi tournaments, it was the same thing. Like, people would get two points, they would hold you down, and then from holding you down, they would look at their coach, and their coach would even be like, yeah, just hold them there. And I was like, what the fuck? They're not even, like, moving. And I was like, competition sucks, man. It was really weird. And, like, people would get up, and they would do the whole, like, thank you, Jesus, and, like, throw their arms up in the air. Like, they won this big victory, and it's like, Jesus. like you won two points, and, like, you're celebrating. I just didn't understand it, so I got away from the jiu-jitsu thing for a while. Bear in mind, this whole time, I'm still doing dope at the time, too, because when I got out of the military, I fell back into bad habits. Uh, some circumstances happened when my father passed away when I got out of the military and just went back down this rabbit hole. Yeah. So I was still competing, doing all this stuff, and still not selling it anymore, but still doing dope and everything, too, and I just fell back into all those habits. Uh, once I started going back to school because of just trying to get over old injuries from the military, I started finding out that I can't stay on this path anymore and just stay, you know, doing the drugs that I'm doing and still want to pursue like MMA, Jiu Jitsu and everything. So I stopped doing everything and I started just studying again. I started learning about the human body and I started getting more into the fitness side of things. And then after a while, when I started going back to school to learn like kinesiology and like human movement and everything, mm -hmm. I was like, I just don't have time to train anymore. I want to get more into the functional fitness side of everything too. So that's when I stopped my first time around for yeah. about a year and a half. I stopped doing it, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good, man. You're doing mm -hmm. jiu-jitsu kickboxing your trainer mm -hmm. i mean you got your arm healed and everything man like dude man it i mean hearing the knowledge hearing the talk your story and everything i'm mm -hmm. like we gotta do another part two i mean this is interesting i got a couple of questions i'll run up questions before we log off yeah, yeah um, for sure man what's your well, what kind of what's your favorite podcast right now you're listening to oh man uh the one I always get excited for whenever it comes out every week, Legion of Skanks. Legion of Skanks. I'm gonna, I'm gonna find. I'm gonna look that up tonight. Like I said, go into it knowing that the intention of it, Legion so of you don't get offended. The intention of it is to be the most offensive podcast on the planet, and they call themselves that on purpose because they will drop n bombs. They will drop everything, and they steer into it because it's supposed to be offensive because they steer into that type of comedy. Legion so it's it's not like they're like that in their everyday life. Like they've been on Rogan. Rogan did a podcast from uh, the Gas Digital Studios when they were in New York and everything. So it's like they're all good guys, but it's like they go into the intention of just being like comics. And yeah, yeah. they go back to that old root of like, as long as funny is funny, whether you want to deny it or not, you know, so. I'll check it out, I'll check it out. Uh -huh. uh, uh, right now, like what, what type of music are you listening to? Man, I'm still old school. Classic rock, I grew up on 95.5 KLOS. So classic rock, old school hip hop. Um, one person that I really like right now who kind of does it all. I know I'm gonna sound like an old person who's trying to be young right now, but Post Malone, oh, yeah, I really yeah. like right now. He's good right now. Kendrick Lamar, I like, I like ASAP Rocky. Kendrick Lamar, yeah, ASAP Rocky's Rocky. still good. Um, so I listen to a lot of like hip hop, a lot of rap. But then I still love like a lot of like punk and stuff like that yeah. too. So I like the addicts. Mm -hmm. And then even uh, on the flip side of that, like Sturgill Simpson, 
okay. probably is my favorite right now. He's got a tour coming up. I'm actually going to go see him in May. Yeah. Oh, he, yeah. His new album, he actually made an anime album that goes hand in hand with his new one. He's got the whole anime series yeah. on Netflix right now. So if you want to just listen to his album, just watch the anime on Netflix. And that's his whole new album, yeah. Check it it's out. called uh, Sound and Fury. I'll check it out. Mm -hmm. What about for comedians? Who, 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 do you, who do you like catch your eye, like, like comedian-wise? Tim Dillon. Tim Dillon? Tim Dillon okay. is so fucking funny. Another podcast, uh, Tim Dillon uh, is going to hell as his old episodes. Yeah. But his new one now is just the Tim Dillon Show. It's on YouTube. They're going to start doing video of it, too, which I love watching, like, the video part of it. Because it's like the new talk show. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> fuck, like, the late night series or anything like that. Like, I'm literally that person. I'll sit at home and I'll watch a podcast if I'm not listening to one, too. That's Yo, how much yeah. I love them. I do but, that, too. Oh, my God. Tim Dillon is a fucking comedy genius, man. Comedy. If you get a chance to listen to him, he's so funny. He's the one who does, like, the impressions of, like, Meghan McCain and, like, uh... Was he on The Fire of the Kid? Yes. Uh huh. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's okay. a big fat gay guy. Yeah. Yep. Uh huh. Yeah. Did you see oh the Did God, you see the last episode with the final <laughs> kill? Those two guys from New York. Oh, history hyenas. Uh, Chris oh. Stefano and uh, Giannis. Uh, like, it's like we have a big name. we have a big tranny fans. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I was dying. Oh my God! It's so funny. Yeah. Did you see that? Like they see it live on YouTube. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. You want that dance? What? Right. Like, what we do? What? What? <laughs> It was so funny. He was playing like the long game. That has He's to be like, guess of the year. He, like, they were so funny, man. Chris Stefano is that guy. He just steers into it as well. Too. He just goes into the joke. Yeah. Yeah, man. Mm -hmm. Guess of the year. I got. That has to be guess of the year. Right, right. You know, unless Chris D'Elia or someone. Oh, yeah. Theo Vaughn comes back, Theo. but they're doing King of the Sting now and all that. You know so. what? I haven't really got into that. I tried to. I tried to as well. And, and it's weird like, because it's like they kind of just like talk shit the whole time. Yeah. And it feels sometimes forced. No. Yes, disrespect Forrest. to Shab, no disrespect to Theo, but it just feels so forced sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I like I like Theo when he has the past the weekend when he has. Uh, yeah. Uh -huh. When I heard the story about Dane Cook, how yeah, his yeah, fucked him over. Oh yeah. Uh -huh. Or like the guy from Wolves of Wall Street. Mm -hmm. That was a monster. Or thing. when he had a uh, what's his name, Bryce Mitchell on there. Bryce Thug, Mitchell. Thug Nasty from the UFC got the got the first twister in uh, UFC in a long time other than a Korean Zombie. I have to check that out. That's oh, a good yeah. episode too, yeah. Yeah, I have to check that out. Mm -hmm. Other than that, um, are there any last words or anything you want shout outs? Uh, for part two, man, we'll have to catch up because uh, yeah. I actually just recently got a scholarship to uh, LMU. Oh, hell uh, yeah. Right down the street the right here. Marymount. Yeah. Shouts to the, the Lake Hank Gathers. Yeah, dude, it was crazy. Uh, I'm starting a program right now. It's called a Vet to Peer. So everything I talked about as far as, you know, getting out of the military, like, they didn't even know what really, like, PTSD was when I first oh, got yeah. out, like, 2010. Now people like to throw that thing around there. Like, if you grow up with, like, you know, a bad childhood or something, people are like, oh, I have PTSD now. And it's like, I get it, but at the same time, like, this is more combat-related post-traumatic stress disorder and everything. So, you know, with depression and everything, like, I'm not really too vocal about it. Like, you'll see a lot of influencers kind of use that as, like, something to promote as far as, like, to get likes and other stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I kept mine quiet for a long, long time because it was actually a serious issue of mine, and I didn't want to make it super public or anything. Yeah, man. But now um, I got accepted this program, Little Old Me, which is, you know, high school diploma. There were people that had master's degrees got turned down from this program. And I get the opportunity to hopefully one day start helping veterans transition back into the real world and uh, be a counselor now, too. Yeah, well, after mm -hmm. seeing that movie uh, with Bradley Cooper, you know, oh, yeah. and, Mary and, Cyber, and, yeah. and do the readjustment, living mm -hmm. the life, and he was so used to military, mm -hmm. like, you yeah. go, go, go all the time, and then all yeah. of a sudden one day they're just like, hey, all that stuff, turn it off, and you're like, how? 
Yeah. It's like me doing the podcast. Yeah. You can't turn it off. Yeah, exactly. It's hard. It's, <laughs> it's addicting. I think to me, I think doing the podcast is like a drug to me. Oh, it's a hundred percent drug. If man, I take yeah. a break for two weeks, like fuck, I need to do another yeah, episode. Yeah. Fuck, fuck, you know? Because I get nonstop mm-hmm. feelings. Like, what's the next episode? Like, yeah. fuck, come Oh, man. for sure, man. It's a, how, how come? You, how come you have a start a podcast? I would love to, man. It's just with time right now. You have to do it for thirty minutes. Full schedule. I would love to even just talk shop, like just getting like MMA, something, <laughs> fitness, something. You see it so much. Fit, these fitness influencers that are online oh, now. Yeah. Just anybody with a nice butt or a big chest <laughs> can promote anything now. And I just like they have no have no idea the science behind the joint function in the body, making sure everything is safe and appropriate. Uh-huh. They always want to progress. One of my main motivations is you have to sometimes regress to a progress with fitness and everything too yeah. everybody wants to start off doing you know crossfit and all these big movements and stuff too and it's like your body is trying to fight against years of dysfunction and you have to build up function first too so you have to kind of start correcting all that dysfunction and everything but people are always just trying to monetize and make money first too so yeah, yeah. Man. well i hope you mm-hmm. do good man and all that stuff um other than that um where can they follow you at you can follow me on Instagram right now at Parappa the Grappler. That's a Parappa, like the video game, Parappa the Rapper, if you're an old school PS1 fan. <laughs> one of my favorite games from back in the day. Uh, right now I'm currently teaching Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 10th Planet Jiu-Jitsu West LA, AKA the Death Star under Scott Einstein Epstein. And if you're looking for training privately, if we can find a time and a place, I do that as well. If you don't want to train at Equinox, it doesn't have to be something you have to be committed to a gym or anything like that too. But if you're in the LA area and you want to try something out, get outside the box, you know, heal your body, most importantly, and get after your goals. Mm. Yeah. That's good. That's what yeah. I'm here to do. I'm here like, more to help people. Heal the body. Heal the body and, you know, get you moving again too. It's one of those things you don't have to start off with super aggressive goals, just taking it one day at a time is always the best bet, man. Yeah, yeah. Sounds, this is, sounds like a wake-up call, man. It's a coincidence. <laughs> That's like someone's telling me, see, I tell you should have had Ray on, right? man. I was like, let's get your fat ass off, man. Let's do jiu-jitsu. It's never too late, man. It's Fuck one it. thing. I'm 33 years old, and I'm just getting started, man. If you can do yeah. it, I can do it. Fuck it. Well, Ray, I just want to say thank you for coming on the podcast, man. I really appreciate it, Dude, man. Dude, thank you for I having mean, me, brother. It's finally yeah, good to meet you in person, yeah, man. Like, yeah, we've yeah. been fucking just chatting it up online for a long time man man. it's that's why like i'm saying you gotta love social media and just this whole thing of just podcast bringing people together yeah it's the first time we met man it feels super organic and it just feels like it's a long time coming man yeah man we follow each other george perez fighter the kid martini i see like yo 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 and everything what's up fool (laughs) (laughs) other than that uh ray i want to say thank you for coming on the podcast thank you sir you're welcome and uh i just want to give a shout out to my boys uh gavin alex emiliano my daughter luna daddy loves you and to all the podcasters around the world mega man ray give nothing but uh, much love to all you guys uh you uh, you can subscribe to the mega man's podcast please rate and review on apple Podcasts. you can find my podcast on apple Podcasts, google podcast podbean anchor radio public the whole nine yards and yeah that's about it right now <laughs> Mega Man has to go take a trip to Indy Brewery. <laughs> I got, and, oh, I didn't tell you. So who do you got? Connor or Cerrone? I hate to say it, but I think Connor's going to win. I got Cerrone. God. Oh, man. I want to uh, say Cerrone so bad, too. I got Cerrone in. I say oh, I got man. Cerrone in the second. Cerrone in the second? Yeah. I'm going to say Connor. Don't judge me on this, people. In the first, 
Oh, yeah. I think it's going to be a short night. All right. I don't know then, why. I just have a feeling. All right. You heard it here first. <laughs> Other than that, uh, we're out, man. We're, we're going to take some pictures and we're going to have a beer and all that. Then after that, Indie Brewery, man. All right. You guys have a good, you guys have an enjoyable weekend. Watch the USC fight. Uh, but, but this episode will, will be out on next Thursday. Don't judge me if I lose my pick. <laughs> we're out, guys. Later. Later.